local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live, Duluth edition. This is Father Richard Kunst, along with Deacon John Foucault, coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth on the St. James campus of Stella Mars Academy. Deacon John, good to have you. Good to be here. Thank gonna, you for having me once again. I'm going to start with an opening prayer, okay? Please do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, be with us this morning in a particular way. Be with our guests, but especially be with our listeners, that whatever we say on the show for the next couple hours may draw them closer to having a relationship with Jesus Christ and his mother. We ask this through the intercession of St. Benedict, whose feast day is today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Deacon John, so it's, it's good to, to have you back. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me once again. I yep. really appreciate uh, it. Uh, my regular co-host, Cindy, is a, seems to be a globe trotter, so yes. I always have to have people fill in. And But you're a great fill-in, John. Well, and I love getting that text. Are you available for Tuesday's show, like on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, you do a great job at filling in, so I, re- I really appreciate your help. So I want to get right to our first guest, because he's on the line, Bishop Daniel Felton from our Diocese of Duluth. Welcome, Bishop. Hey, I'm great to you, uh, grateful to be on today, especially on the day when we remember uh, St. Benedict being a Johnny. Uh, that's an important day for us, obviously. Uh, yes, you and I are both Johnnies, although I don't, I don't claim that as much. I claim St. Mary's and Winona as my undergrad more as my uh, alma mater. But you're right. The Benedictines, and we have them in our own diocese here as well. Yep, we do. Uh, and uh, I just shared a story a little while ago that when I was in the seminary at St. John's uh, in Collegeville, at, um, I was uh, president of kind of the graduate school senate, and I went in to see Father Alfred Deutsch at that time about a matter with the seminary program and the Benedictine community. And as we were talking about it, I said to him, you know, I'm really surprised, like, the Benedictine community doesn't have a five-year plan for this, uh, being the naive seminarian that I was. Um, and Father Alfred looked at me, and he said, we don't have five-year plans. The Benedictines have 500-year plans. Exactly. And so, since they've been around for almost 1,500 years, certainly uh, that bears that out as well. Yeah, yeah. And he's the patron saint of Europe, which is always impressive, because there's a lot of saints from Europe. Right, right, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it shows his impact. But uh, so, Bishop, we wanted to talk a little bit this morning about your recent loss. And again, we're uh, praying for you and your uh, your family at the loss of your mom. And so maybe you can just uh, speak a little bit uh, to that, about that experience of losing Yeah, yeah. So I, I really appreciate uh, the many prayers and all of the support that I have received, as well as my four younger sisters. And our family, our dad died about uh, three years ago. Um, somewhat unexpected, although he was uh, 86 years old. Um, and it was during right at the height of COVID, so uh, we could only have 10 people at his uh, funeral mass of resurrection and so forth. Um, but uh, we were able to celebrate that, and a lot of people joined us, obviously, uh, on the, the live stream of uh, the funeral service. And then um, more recently, um, my mom has been in assisted living since uh, my dad uh, died, and, uh, you know, uh, some dementia, kind of, I always said uh, 70, 30, 70% of the time she could remember more things than I, but uh, 30% a little confused. But uh, she fell 
and when she uh, fell, um, she did some hip fractures, um, three ribs were cracked, uh, which collapsed a lung, and her oxygen levels uh, continued to diminish and get very low. And so as we were talking to the doctors about, you know, what we could do, they were saying that doing surgery would be uh, very risky. Uh, they didn't think that she'd be able to survive that. They were concerned about the recovery. I don't know, but supposedly a collapsed lung is a painful recovery. And we were, of course, thinking that she could not stay where she was in assisted living, but would have to move to a new facility with dementia would be very difficult. So kind of in the midst of all of that, my mom said, uh, very matter-of-factly, no fear, no panic. She said, I'm dying. And more or less, I'm, I'm dying. I'm aware of that. I'm ready for that. And so let's just let it be. A, and we were able to do that. And uh, as a consequence, uh, about 48 hours later, uh, she died very, very peacefully. Um, and, and I guess the great consolation that our family found, it's, it uh, obviously is never easy to lose a parent. And we were very close to uh, our parents. Um, but you, you can't say something at the end of life that matter-of-factly and to be at that much peace and die that peacefully unless somehow you feel um, that you're in the arms of Jesus. And so that gave us great comfort uh, and confidence as well uh, as she would die and our family could be present for that. And it's a, it's a gift to have your uh, parents with you for such a long time. Yes. yes, it is. You know, And sometimes people think, that because parents are with us a longer time, that it should be easier to let go of them no. when it's just kind of the opposite, that they've been with us for so much, you know, that, that it's a, a difficult thing. But we're very grateful. Uh, so mom would have been going on 89, and my dad was 86 when he died. So, yeah, so we were very, very grateful. And my mom was the youngest of uh, seven children. So she had seen the and been through the death of her mom and dad and, and then uh, each one of her siblings. So she is the last of the clan. Um, at, the, at the memorial service, Bishop, you said something that was striking. Maybe you can share this a little bit with the listeners. It's when you'd made the comment about how, you know, you always mentioned going home always meant going to where your parents are. And you've been here in Duluth for slightly over two years now. And that whole, at, at the realization of your mom's death, this revelation for you in regards to what does going home actually mean? Maybe you could share that yeah, with yeah, the Yeah, I would love to. Just a, a couple of things on that. Thanks, Father Rich. The uh, you know, kind of also, I've, I've always said this picture of various generations being on a conveyor belt. And I always kind of thought, you know, I was always like two or three rows back on the conveyor belt. But when both of your parents die, and yeah. I'm the oldest in the family, all of a sudden it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like on the front of the conveyor belt as it's moving <laughs> forward. So, you know, that's a start, uh, stark realization. Yeah. And then, you know... As my parents lived in their home for over 60 years, if I was anywhere in the world, I'd say I'm going home would be where my parents uh, were living. And even with mom being in assisted living, as long as a parent is um, living, you know, I would say, well, I'm going home uh, to see mom. But after mom had passed away and I was driving back to Duluth, it was just like, wow, it's kind of a new realization that without a parent and without the house that we had lived in for 60 years, that now I'm going back to see my sisters, but I'm not going home. And it was kind of the first embrace of, this is my home now, uh, the Diocese of Duluth and the people that are here. Um, this, this is what I call home now. And so that was, that was uh, 
a profound moment of just what is what are some of the transformations taking place uh, with mom's death or with both of our parents uh, having passed away now. And Bishop, also at her memorial mass, you talked about her conversations and the gifts that she had in regards to uh, fulfilling God's mission with her time here on earth. Will you speak a little bit more about that? Because that was a... Uh, yeah, I, I think in. that, uh, yeah, I, we, we believe that, you know, that each one of us has a God-given purpose and a God-given mission. Um, nobody before us have ever had that. Nobody after us will ever have that. But that's been, you know, instilled within us. We embody that, and it's not our will. It's not our mission. It's not my purpose, but God's purpose and mission for us. And a lot of times we don't know that immediately, but the Holy Spirit helps us to understand that or come to terms with that, and then be grateful for that. And one of the charisms of my mom, or a mission that she had in life, is that she was a master conversationalist. My mom could have a conversation with anybody at any time, and she did. All right? And, uh, but, it, but uh, being in a conversation, it's an art. Um, it's an art that we're kind of losing in the digital world, but being in a conversation is being more than just talkative. It's an ability to storytell and to put some people at ease, and then for them to feel like they want to share part of their story with you. And on countless occasions, you know, I watched my mom do this. And, you know, before the conversation would end, there was, you know, some kind of a relationship, even if it was somebody that she had just met. Um, and she could do that over and over and over again. Somebody recently wrote me a, a letter saying that they were in a store, um, and it was holiday stuff uh, for Christmas, and they got in line to check out, and the checkout line was really not moving slowly, or there weren't a whole lot of people moving away from the counter. And uh, come to find out, the uh, my mom was actually gift wrapping things that people brought, uh, bought for others during the Christmas time. But uh, this woman wrote to me to say I couldn't figure out why the line wasn't moving forward, why people kept hanging around, you know, the uh, counter, only to find out that my mom was up there. Well, she shared some of her stories from her childhood and whatever, and then some other people started to share their stories, so that even after they checked out, nobody moved away from the counter because everybody was having a conversation about memories that they had of Christmas. And again, the master conversationalist getting people to share their stories, feel in that moment some connection to one another. That, that was her purpose and mission in life, and she did it over and over and over again. You know, another thing I just want to acknowledge about that, um, uh, about the, well, the, so, so just so that the listeners know, we, we had a, a memorial service for your mom, Carol, back here in the diocese uh, that you led, Bishop, in. Um, it was uh, probably a couple weeks after your mom died, if I remember correctly. Right, but, right, it was. But, but you'd, made, you'd made the comment that um, your mom was not able to come to Duluth to meet your, in essence, your new family, and we haven't met her. And so your, uh, your stories about her was really to have the two of us meet, basically, the diocese yep, exactly. and, and, your, and your mom. Yep. So my mom's health was such that uh, she was never able to uh, come uh, to Duluth to meet uh, the people here and for the people here to be able to meet her. Um, but each one of us, in a, a very profound kind of way, uh, my sisters and myself included, very much embody our parents uh, in so many ways. So kind of to have met me is to have met at least a part of my mom and my dad. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that brought uh, comfort as well. But had, had uh, she come here, people would really have... Uh, come to embrace her and to enjoy her as a, an Irish 
um, a woman of great uh, wit, laughter, storytelling, and conversation. The, the shadow, you know, every one of our charisms, though, our gifts, has a shadow side. So the shadow side of my mom's gift of being the great conversationalist is there was never a short conversation. <laughs> and Bishop, at the close of the Mass, if I recall, you mentioned a comment that your mom made about wanting to buy you something when you were named Bishop. You want to expand upon that? Yeah, yeah. So she uh, she wanted to buy me that hat. So first of all, my mom being Irish, when I went to tell her that I had been made the Bishop of uh, Duluth, um, and she knew the distance. Uh, she, the, her first words to me were, oh, Danny, why are you moving so far from me? Of course, you know, hitting me in the heart with yeah, a little Irish that. guilt, a little yeah. Irish guilt, which every great Irish mother is capable of doing. But then she slowly began to realize that her son, that she often referred to as my son, the priest, was now going to be my son, the bishop. And so uh, she... Uh, likened the idea uh, much more than when I first presented it to her. But as a consequence, she said, I want to buy your hat. <laughs> I and I said, well, that's, that's fine, Mom, you know, which would be the mitre, which a uh, bishop wears that kind of pointed uh, hat. So I said, yeah, yeah, I, I will make sure, you know. And so um, I bought the hat, bought the mitre, and then I went to see her at assisted living. And so, oh, she, she thought it was just great. And, you know, she said, well, how much does it cost? And I'm just like, well, the, you know, the hat was about $350. And she said, holy crap, that's a yeah. lot of money <laughs> to pay for a hat. And I was like, well, yeah, they got, you know, they got the goods. They got his cornered mom on the market for Bishop's gear. Um, but every time I put it on now, uh, I say a prayer for her uh, in memory of her. And uh, so the hat is something that's very special to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. It was so wonderful to hear that story during the end of the Mass and, and how you reflect on that and how you have that reflection of her each time you put the hat on and can say a prayer for her. We'll, uh, right. continue, we'll continue this conversation with Bishop Felton for the Diocese of Duluth after this brief break. Please stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Matthew 19, we learn about a servant whose master had just forgiven his debts. Although the servant is grateful for his master's mercy, he is unable to show the same kind of mercy towards his own debtor, even though they owed him an amount that was much smaller. His master moved with compassion for his servant, who never in a thousand years could have repaid his huge debt, forgives all. What life-changing mercy, yet how much more mercy was shown the day Jesus came to the world to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Through this parable of the forgiven servant, Jesus makes his point crystal clear. Forgive your enemies, family, and friends, because in the measure that we forgive and show mercy, so forgiveness and mercy will be shown us. Jesus has shown us unfathomable mercy. Who in your life needs a little mercy today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts. 
including our signature show, Real Presence Live, the Real Presence radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz, along with Deacon John Foucault, coming from the Diocese of Duluth. And we're talking to the Bishop of Duluth about his the recent loss of his family, of his mom, Carol, and uh, I think just death in general and, and how we cope with death and how we look at death from a from the eyes of faith. And so maybe, Bishop, you can speak a little bit to that, what the rituals around Yeah, yeah, around I, I would love to because uh, our Catholic tradition is so embodying of everything that we need kind of in that moment of great grief um, and mourning. And I think grieving and mourning is really important. Um, It's not easy, you know, but at the same time, it's necessary. And so, you know, I'm very much aware in my own life, but certainly in the life of those around me or even in our culture, we're we're not necessarily good at grieving. We want it to be over right now and uh, that uh, we want to be able to move on. And that's going to be done you know, each one of my siblings, I have four younger sisters, and myself, you know, you know, we've embraced grieving, but we're going to do that in slightly different ways, and we have to allow for that. Um, and yet, at the same time, we've acknowledged how important that is, because grieving doesn't go away. So if we put it off, or we want to make believe that it's not there, sooner or later it's going to come back, and it's going to be there. And sometimes it'll manifest itself as anger, sometimes as depression, or whatever, but but the ability to just be open and to know that God is walking that moment with us as well and that the Holy Spirit is giving us strength and and we kind of cling to Jesus in that moment to lead us through that grieving because he is the promise of new life and resurrection. So so we never grieve with despair. We always grieve with hope uh, as Christians, and that's kind of what our family is doing um, right now. But I think that, you know, in the moment also there are some great you know, rites and rituals that have been given to us that are so comforting um, and, you know, that we need to perhaps rediscover these or reappreciate them. Um, the funeral vigil, um, you know, and we kind of have moved away from this a little bit, um, especially in situations where somebody might be older and a lot of their own uh, friends and family have passed away. But uh, the funeral vigil always allows us the opportunity to kind of gather in a more informal way, to gather for prayer, uh, to be with one another, to see the impact that that person has had on various people in life, and for people just to share the multiple stories, how they've been impacted by that person. So at a vigil time, you know, people will come and share stories with the family. There'll be times the family's thinking, I've heard that if I've heard that story once, I've heard it a thousand times. Then there are those moments and times when somebody is telling a story we've never heard before. You know, at the, on the funeral vigil, we just want to hear everything that you know. We want to hear everything you know about mom, because there are going to be some stories that we've never heard before, just as I shared that story of somebody recently telling me about being in that gift store. 
uh, and mom sharing Christmas stories. So it's so important that we just allow ourselves to gather. And it's more than just a celebration of life of that person. It's in those moments that we begin to realize how God came to us in and through that person's life. And, and we begin to see what that mission and purpose was that God had for that person. So it's, it's a celebration of that person's life, but even more so, it's a celebration of how God has come to us in and through that person's life. And that's what gives us hope, uh, even in the midst of our sadness and our grief. And then we will be celebrating uh, a funeral mass of resurrection. We delayed that a little bit. A couple of my sisters are having some pretty major surgeries. Uh, Mom is going to be cremated, as was Dad. Um, So when we uh, gather on August 3rd, uh, we're going to celebrate the Mass of Resurrection. And again, it it brings some closure, uh, which is, I think, important, that it just doesn't keep everything open-ended. But the part of the gathering for the funeral vigil and for the funeral Mass, it brings everybody together which in a very practical way is very profound, but very helpful. Otherwise, if we don't do that, every time we run into somebody at the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever, we just have to keep telling the stories over and over and over again. This way, it gathers everybody to accompany each other, to be able to share the stories, but it also brings some sense of closure. And then the funeral mass itself is just so beautiful. Um, Every song, every word, Every gesture, every action is speaking to new life and resurrection. That when we gather for a funeral mass, we're not gathering to pray for someone who's dead. We're praying for somebody who died by the power of Jesus Christ, and in His mercy and love, we pray, uh, has been resurrected. And through our prayers, we pray, uh, we'll continue to journey into the fullness of God's kingdom of heaven. So it's it's a powerful, powerful uh, mass a sacrament that we have that really helps us to get through our time of grieving and feeling sad. Sure, if I could just uh, throw in there, just one of the things that um, I've noticed, at least in the last decade or so, is that the most compliments I get as priest is after a funeral and from non-Catholics. Yeah, I, I think that, again, we're able to draw upon our tradition and then the beautiful scriptures, you know, that are provided and I, I think it's the Word, uh, it's the sacramental gestures, it's the celebration of the Eucharist, um, and the Holy Spirit moving in that moment that just allows us to accompany people in a very uh, purpose-driven kind of way, but also kind of in a unique way, drawing upon the traditions and scriptures uh, of our Church. And that, that's why I really encourage people, you know, uh, maybe who have been away from the Church for a while, maybe are feeling like, you know, if we do a Mass, I'm not quite sure if I'll know what to do, if I'm going to be comfortable with that, am I going to feel out of place? You know, when it comes to a a funeral Mass, I just got to tell the listeners, it's like everybody's at Mass for the first time. Mm -hmm. So so it just throws people off from a Sunday service, a Sunday Mass, that the funeral's a little bit different. So, you know, the priests are always sensitive to leading people through that service, because even for the veteran churchgoer, yeah, the cadence is off a little bit, and, and people just are looking for some help and support. So I would strongly encourage people not to be discouraged uh, in having a Resurrection Mass, even even if, you know, um, you might not be as connected as you once were or might not know what's going on. What is able to offer to you in that moment is just incredible and can really, really help bring some healing uh, to your grieving. 
And it's also an opportunity, uh, Bishop, for the healing, and you've both likely witnessed this as well, for family members sometimes who are disconnected to come together at that funeral mass. Yep. And also then begin some relationship healing as well and some bonding. I've witnessed that some very powerful moments with individuals at various funeral masses. Right. You know, I think in a, at a funeral time that we're all vulnerable in a particular way, and it allows sometimes the Holy Spirit to work in and through us in ways that maybe we would not have been as open to, you know, previously. But I think it also brings, you know, a sense of closure. Um, both of my parents, as I mentioned, are going to be cremated, um, but it'll be very important to us. In fact, we had to make a special arrangement when we have the Resurrection Mass for my mom at my home parish of St. Edward's in Mackville. We're going to do it at 5.30 um, because my sisters are younger, I'm younger than my folks, so it allows our friends to come and be with us, you know, as well, if they have to, to work. But we made special arrangements that right after that, then we would do the burial rite, uh, which is in a cemetery connected to the parish community. Um, and so at that time, uh, then we'll do that rite. And, and the great thing about that is, again, uh, it, it, it brings some finality to that phase of life. It brings some closure and acknowledgement of death and new life, but that the remains of the remains of that person are here upon this earth until that day. Um, when our bodies will be reunited with our soul. But I think uh, the burial also is a, it's a place where we can go back to, and even though we know the soul of that person and their personhood uh, lives um, and is with God, there is a remaining presence of that person there, even in the ashes and or in the body, you know, at that grave site. And it's a marker. You know, I find time and time again, when I was pastor of parishes with cemeteries connected to the parish community, future generations would come back, and they were just trying to look at the markers that marked their history uh, as a family. So, you know, sometimes we can think of only about ourselves saying, I don't really care what they do with my ashes and so forth. But we have to think of, you know, number one, that there are times when we need to go back to some presence of that person, even if it's been, you know, from the past and in their body, which is buried. And there are future generations that are going to come looking for that as well. And so if I, you know, have my ashes spread in a field and or in the ocean, um, it's not going to allow for either of those things to happen, which are so important to us and I think really important to moving through grieving, um, that grieving process. I would agree that, you know, the burial aspect is being done less and less nowadays, and it does bring that closure and also, as you mentioned, a spot to go back for reflection and visitation and, and uh, processing of that grief as, as you go yeah. through that. And, and the other thing is just is a deep respect for the body. You know, we believe that we are body and soul. That's the way that we were created, that our soul and body were created by God. So it's just a, a way to honor that uh, and to reflect that and to be respectful of that. Bishop, in the last minute, minute and a half that we have here, do you want to just say a little bit about praying for the dead? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, uh, you know, uh, now that my mom and dad have been uh, gathered, I pray uh, through our prayers uh, into the presence of Jesus. You know, we pray for each other uh, because, again, we're not praying to dead people. We're praying to people who have died, who, by the power of Jesus Christ, are alive. So we pray for both of my parents, um, at least I do, every day, and we know that we can assist one another uh, through maybe a time of purification or purging of anything that's keeping us um, from being ready for heaven. 
but that we can have a profound impact. And, and the Book of Maccabees, you know, talks about that, so it's just not a wild idea. It's scripturally based and traditionally based. Um, so, yeah, I, I will continue. My sisters, we continue to pray for my mom and dad as they are alive and pray that, you know, they can be with the Lord before the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven forever. And because my parents are alive, we very much believe that they're praying for us. And they are trying to lead us and guide us as they did here on earth as parents uh, to heaven. That that hasn't stopped as a charge and a mission that they continue to live as we are confident that they continue to journey with us. And hopefully until that day when we're all together in the fullness of God's kingdom where we're going to share life and a love, a laughter and a joy that will never end, never, ever. I, I love that differentiation. I've, I guess I've never heard it articulated quite the way you just did. They are not dead. They have died. And the differentiation between what those words mean. Right. Right. You know, and I think it's, it would be, oh, it would be unbelievable to think that they're just dead. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but they, yeah, they did die, you know, but in, in death they live. And that's our yeah. deepest, that's, that's the heart of everything we believe as a Christian people. In the face of death we shall live. That one sentence is the kerygma that captures everything else yeah. that we believe and profess. St. Saint, Saint Therese, the little flower, she said, death is nothing more than the soul leaving the body, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. And my mom had a great uh, devotion to St. Therese. Yeah. Well, Bishop, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing well, thank your you. mom. I, I really those, appreciate uh, your taking time as well, and have appreciated very much all of the uh, consolation and support that we have received from people. Um, and I'll continue to pray for all of the folks out there who have lost a parent recently, and just know that we share that common journey together. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you very much, and have a great all right. blessing yes. on your day. Okay. You as well. Take right. care. Thank you. God Bye-bye. Bless. All right. Well, uh, what a great segment. Yeah, very, very, very good. Right, right after this brief break, we're going to come back with your opportunity to call in your questions on Straight Talk. 877-795-0122. Dial now. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 